Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Nationals podcast. Today it is Monday, August 24th, 2020. I apologize for the inconsistent uh, podcasting schedule. It has been a bit challenging. With the Nationals playing those five games in four days, I thought it would be best just to kind of handle the weekend together and then take a look at the week ahead uh, just kind of in two groups. So I know they've got one left with the Marlins as I'm recording this right now on Monday morning. But we're going to take a look back at the four games the Nats Three, played. 3-2 to Suzuki. Kurt Suzuki! See you later! The Nats have won it! Seven runs in the bottom of the ninth! This is deep to center field. Bellinger's back. It's a grand slam! Howie Kendrick with a 10th inning grand slam to break it open. The former Dodger breaking hearts in Los Angeles. The kick in, here it comes. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books. The celebration is on. The Washington Nationals are the world champions. You are listening to the Locked On Nationals podcast, your one-stop shop for news, analysis, and conversation surrounding your reigning, undisputed World Series champion, Washington Nationals. Now, here's your host, Josh Neighbors. All right, let's get to it, everybody. Josh Neighbors, Locked On Nationals podcast. Busy weekend for the Nats. It was four games in three days. They play that fifth, as I mentioned the intro, with the Marlins coming up on Monday night. Uh, a lot of punch counterpunch here with the two game split. Uh, no team won back to back contests. So, you know, one team would go one way, one team would go the other. It was interesting. You know, we wanted to see the Nationals maybe take a leap this weekend, maybe kind of generate some momentum this weekend after that split they got in Atlanta and coming off some positive momentum with a series win against the Orioles. But they were not able to generate that momentum. And it started on Friday night where. Uh, Patrick Corbin goes and doesn't start off great. The Nats fall in that game three to two, but Corbin ends up evening out in that game. And I think it ends up actually pitching a pretty decent ball game. And I thought the bullpen did a very good job too. Three, two loss, not a whole lot to be upset about there. I mean, Corbin gives up all three runs. They're earned. He goes, uh, six and one third innings, eight hits, three earned runs, two walks, nine strikeouts. And Tanner Rainey, once again, uh, was able to pitch two third clean innings. Will Harris goes a full inning, and then Kyle Finnegan, who's been awesome so far for the Nats, pitched a full inning as well. And the issue here that was it was the Nationals' offense. I mean, this Nationals' offense did not get going, and they had a couple uh, a couple solo shots, and we were asking for them to generate some of that power, and they were able to. But the problem was they didn't get a runner on second base until the seventh inning. They were 0-for-1 with runners in scoring position on Friday night, and that's a big reason why um, you know, they, they didn't do very well. It's this mixture of, you know, we, when we look at the national season and we try to analyze these games in terms of context, we look at the stuff they do well. When the Nats are at their best, they are moving the line. And what we ask them to do with our podcast, you know, what we've been saying during a lot of these shows is, can they generate the power um, you know, on nights where they're not doing great with runners in scoring position? Not on a night where they don't put anybody in scoring position hardly at all. And uh, once again, we had, as my, as you know, our good friend Connor Jones likes to say, we had a Gomer homer. Trey Turner also had a home run as well, too. But the middle of the lineup, man, that two, three, four, and five spots, all offers. 
in this game. The only positive from them, one walk from Juan Soto. And between those four guys, there were eight, or excuse me, seven strikeouts. So that two, three, four, and five did not get it done for the Nationals. So the Nats lose that first game three to two. We then shift our attention to that seven inning doubleheader, two, two games, seven innings each on Saturday. The first game featured Max Scherzer. And this is something that I want to uh, discuss. You know, Connor Jones and I had a real, I think a pretty positive back and forth about Max Scherzer. And I think there are points to make on both sides about where Max is in his career. Obviously, he's had some outings this year where he still looks like the Max Scherzer of old. But I think an important point, and I want to credit my dad here with this, is he starts to look, you know, when he looks tired, it feels different. It feels different than it used to because this guy is known for being a horse, for being in that seventh inning, you know, being able to power fastballs by guys. In his last two starts, towards the back end of his outing, his performance has tailed. In that start against the Orioles, he had him in the seventh inning. And, I just, you know, once again, Max Raymond and I were talking about it. Hell or high water, Davey Martinez was going to leave, leave him in. Another game I think Davey Martinez wanted to get as much out of Scherzer as possible uh, was this Saturday game, this first start, because obviously four games, five days, taxes, or excuse me, five games, four days, taxes your bullpen. So what Davey Martinez wanted to do was get as much possible out of Scherzer in that start. And... I mean, he was, it, things were going pretty well. There was, there was some traffic on the bases for the most part, but Scherzer throws 108 pitches in uh, four and two-thirds innings, surrenders seven hits, four runs, four earned runs, five Ks, and a home run. And the issue with this game was that the Nationals took an early 5 nothing lead, and with Scherzer on the mound, this is one of those where you can kind of safely feel like they pull ahead. Scherzer's performance did not allow that. It also didn't allow them to, you know, uh, save their bullpen, too. This game became a lot closer than it had any reason to be. And in that fifth inning, VR singled uh, Joyce homered, and he uncharacteristically walks in a run, which which ended his day. And there was traffic on the base paths for a lot of the time that, uh, that Scherzer was out there pitching. So the walk numbers weren't super, super high, only two walks. But it felt like there was consistently some traffic on the base path. He's only Nats, Nats pitcher give up any runs or give up any hits. Once again, the bullpen lights out the rest of the way. And luckily for them, only a seven-inning game, which was very helpful for them getting to the end uh, of that start, of that, excuse me, of that outing. Finnegan, Rainey, and Hudson combined to go the final two and one-thirds innings to close things out. So my big takeaway here from the pitching standpoint is just be on the lookout. Pay attention when you watch Max Scherzer's next start. See how he looks when he gets later into ball games. Yeah, the starts can be rocky the first inning or so, and he and Strasburg alike have that issue. But let's see what happens when he gets around that 80 pitch mark and see how he finishes his outings next time. I think that's something to watch when we see Max Scherzer pitch again. As for the offensive output, the Nats found ways to score uh, in the ways that we've wanted to see them score. Cabrera reached on an infield single to score Trey Turner. Josh Harrison singled to left field, drove in a run as well. Howie Kendrick, a sack fly. Josh Harrison again driving in a run later in the fourth inning. And Robles, a sack fly. So good to see Harrison. Good to see Robles driving in runs, hopefully building up confidence for those guys because uh, I, I think we know that they, they might need it a little bit, uh, especially Victor Robles at the plate. Would have liked to see them generate some more offense towards the back end of the game. Obviously, a seven-inning doubleheader, so they weren't able to. But the Nats haven't generated a ton of late-game offense, it feels like, this season. So um, 
you know, once again, seven in game, but they were able to hold on for a win. You take that game was a bit closer um, than it really should have been. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for pros and do-it-yourselfers. rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody. They're always low. rockauto.com always charges the lowest possible price as opposed to charging what the market will bear like airlines do. Go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know what we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com We move on to game number three of the series. This was a 5-3 to three win for the Marlins in seven innings once again. A lot to unpack from this game. Um, especially the the pitching appearances, the, the pitching starts. It was two debuts. Will Crow went for the Nats. Sixto Sanchez, the outstanding, outstanding prospect for the Marlins, uh, was on the bump. And the Marlins, funny enough, they were actually the home team in this series. So, or excuse me, in this game. So out of all five games the Nats and Marlins have played slash will play in this four-day stretch, uh, the Marlins were the home team for this one. I was impressed by both pitchers for uh, different reasons. Sanchez has electrifying stuff. You can just tell. And I think as the game wore on, I mean, he made it through five innings, gave up three runs, and that was enough for his team. But uh, you could see the the stuff is there. The upper fastball, uh, a nasty slider. Those two pitches were the ones that really stood out to me. And I think FP Santangelo made a good point during the broadcast. He definitely slowed down some there towards the end of his start, but um, a lot to be excited about. Did, did, did give up two home runs. Did not walk anybody. So uh, 66 pitches made through five innings. You can tell he's uh, he's challenging people in the zone with his stuff. If the home run numbers are up and the you know, not a ton of strikeouts, but uh, you know if. if Guys are hitting home runs off you. You're making it through five innings and 66 pitches. You're typically challenging guys in the zone with your stuff. Somebody who was not challenging guys in the zone with his stuff and really meant to, Will Crow. Will Crow uh, was the Nationals minor league pitcher of the year. I believe it was 2018 uh, was when he won that distinction. Making his first start, he goes three and two-thirds innings, six hits, four earned runs, two walks, two Ks, and gave up a home run as well too. Um, the pitching disparity here, you know, six to through 46 strikes and, uh, and, and 66 pitches thrown will crow through 34 strikes. There was a one point in the game where I believe he was, and I think he mentioned this in his post game press conference. He was 20 balls and 20 strikes difficult for him to find the control. But what I really liked was how he battled, how he hung in there, how he hung tough and, and tried to keep his team in this game. Didn't know, you know, didn't, wasn't sure he'd be making the start. Tough place to do it, but guys are being thrown into the fire. And I think Will Crow, by no means was it a sparkling outing for him. But I thought there was a lot to be impressed about. And he was very critical of himself afterwards. Uh, And I think you've got to be encouraged by what you saw. But the Nationals, they were able to generate some offense in this game, but uh, not enough. They did get the Gomer homer again to make it 1-0 in the third. Um... Corey Dickerson answered back with a two-run home run to make it 2-1 Marlins. And then the defense for the Nats in the fourth inning, and Will Crow's stat line looks a lot different if the Nats' defense is not 
um, subpar because in the fourth inning, they cost them, I, in my opinion, uh, two runs. Uh, Sierra strikes out, and uh, I believe it was a pass ball. Uh, yeah, it was ended up being a wild pitch. This was for Romero when the bases are loaded. Nats have a chance to get a, um, to, to stop the bleeding at this point in time and are not able to. They cost themselves two runs in that fourth inning, and you could argue that cost them the game because in a game that ended up being um, in a game that ended up being five three, those two runs are the difference. Ha- um, I was say Hansel Robles, Victor Robles, two run home run in the top of the fifth made it four three Miami. A John Birdie sack fly in the fifth made it 5-3. Seth Romero comes in. He only makes it through uh, a third of an inning, gets a strikeout, surrenders two hits as well. It's It's been a real mixed bag for him so far on this season. But if you guys have listened to this podcast, I have been beating the Seth Romero drum for a while. I'm a huge fan of his stuff. If they can get him mentally right, and he, he seems really laser-focused. I like his stuff. I like his long-term prospect, uh, his prospects, rather, for what he can do for this organization and be a part of this staff, whether it's uh, whether it's as a starter or out of the bullpen, which he's you know he's doing right now. And this is a perfect season for him to learn and, and see what he can be and uh, work out a lot of those jitters and those nerves. Will Crow mentioned that there was nerves too. I mean, you know, it's not like Seth Romero came in uh, his first appearance in a in a great spot. He gives up the grand slam. So, uh, you know, this has been a challenging season for a lot of rookies and. Uh, I'm sympathetic to that. There's jitters. It's a great time to work it out. But there's a lot of guys who are just like them. You know, a lot of guys who are having that experience, having these young experiences, and they're uh, they're good. And so, you know, you're getting to play big league baseball at this point in time. Will Rowe, Will Crow and Seth Romero and also Dakota Backus too, to some extent. All those guys are finally getting a taste. And you know, this season the Nationals. You know, I, once again, I, I've talked about how I believe this is a legitimate season. We should treat it as such as media and as fans. And so I think that with that in mind, the Nats just won a World Series, though. So, you know, in in this shortened season, if they don't get it done, considering the injuries, considering what they lost with Rendon, and considering how they didn't have Juan Soto for the first, you know, part of the season, um, it's it's okay if obviously the Nats don't win at all this year. But, like, this is this is the value. You know, if, if there's anything, if, if you are kind of down on the season – and down on the Nationals. I know they sit at 10 and 14 as we stand right now, but this is the positive stuff. Seeing these guys work out some of the mechanics, especially from a pitching perspective, uh, and then also you know guys like Luis Garcia too, but seeing these guys work it out a little bit, uh, that's important. Final note on this game, another two hits for Jan Gomes. He is swinging a hot bat, including that home run. Game number four in the series, and that's even things up at two games apiece with a 9-3 victory over the Marlins yesterday afternoon. It was Anibal Sanchez getting his first victory of the season against Humberto Mejia, who has struggled so far this year. But Sanchez, I want to give Max Raymond credit because he made this point about, and also to a lot of people have, but you know how last year Anibal was a different guy coming back from uh, the injury after having some time off. Well, Anibal, you know, I think it's he's made adjustments on the fly, and yesterday was the best he has looked by far this season. It's the best he has looked uh, since the playoffs last year. And the way he was able to settle into that ball game, the Nationals gave him some run support. He looked incredibly comfortable yesterday. That was the guy that we are used to seeing. And it was difficult to watch him struggle this season because you knew this guy was in him. 
and he gives up one earned run throughout seven innings, strikes out five, no walks. His command was there. His stuff was there. He was in control of the game, to be honest. It felt like he could have even gone longer than seven innings yesterday. So Anibal Sanchez doing a very good job capping the ship, only gives up five hits, uh, the one home run to Corey Dickerson in the second. Nationals offense, um, and then Dickerson home run was the only run that he allowed in the seven innings. Nationals offense did a great job. They kept the line moving in this game. Kendrick, the double to deep center scoring, Trey Turner in the first. And then in the third inning, Turner reached on an infield single. Garcia scored. Uh, and then Robles got thrown out at home uh, in a rundown, which was bad. And I actually texted Connor Jones at this point saying, even when this team does something right, they do something wrong. With the way that this team has... The, the situational hitting has struggled. This was a crucial out. Like, making that out, getting caught in the rundown between third and home is inexcusable, and Robles really should. He should know better than that. Adam Eden, it was nice to see him double in two runs in the fourth inning. The fifth inning, I tweeted this too. It felt a bit cathartic, didn't it? Uh, Carter Keeboom walked in for a run. Uh, Robles grounded to a fielder's choice, scored a run, um, and also there was an error as well too. And then Trey Turner, triples and scores two as well so you know being able to score um five runs in that inning it just felt really good for the nationals to be able to kind of you know put that punch in there and really put this game uh you know stretch it out in a way that they weren't able to when scherzer was on the mound for that first game on saturday so seeing them and then kind of allowing anibal sanchez to get into cruise control really essential part uh, of this offense and um Two runs for the Marlins in the ninth, but really not a whole lot else there. Nice day for the bullpen not to be able to, to be relied on too much. Ryan Harper just works. Two, he works the last two innings. So uh, your big three of Finnegan, Rainey, and Hudson, who seem to be the go-to guys right now, those guys were not troubled with anything yesterday. Love the way the Nats got to Mejia. They ended up being four for 13 with runners in scoring position, which is not excellent, but that gets the job done on a day like yesterday. So the Nats get things even at, at uh, two and two in this five-game set. They really do need to focus on taking, you know, getting another series win, building some momentum because they are 25 games into this thing. So they are now five games away from being at the halfway point, which is is crazy to think. But they need to begin to stack some wins together, stack some series wins together. And they can do that with this game on Monday night, a really crucial game for the Nationals coming up uh, against the Marlins on Monday. And the Nationals right now three and a half games back in the division, so obviously not out of it by any stretch of the imagination. But everything does get magnified with a shorter season. The Braves in first at 16 and 12. The Marlins still hanging there in second at 11 and 11. The New York Mets now in third with their off time. Looks like they'll get back to action on Tuesday at 12 and 14. The Nats at 11 and 14. And the Phillies with uh, now at 10 and 14. So the Nats just a half game up on Philadelphia. Things all bunched up very close in this National League East as we head towards the halfway point of the season. The Nats tonight, 6.05, first pitch in this game. It's going to be Austin Voth and Pablo Lopez, who has been impressive so far this year. He's got a 2-1-1 record with a 2-4-2 ERA. Austin Voth on the other side, 0-1-2 with a 5-even ERA, 18 innings pitch, 20 hits, 12 Ks, 6 walks, 5 home runs uh, allowed. Jonathan VR, maybe the Nats can uh, can slow him down a bit tonight because he has killed the Nationals so far this series. They'll look to slow him down, and they'll look to get another series win 
I know it doesn't feel like they're, they're generating much momentum and they, they do have to get going a bit more. But for the Nats tonight, the story is, you know, you get the, the series win against uh, Baltimore. You do get a split midweek. And now here's a chance to take another step in the right direction. And the Nats, uh, you know, they're going to be buyers of the deadline. And I'm going to talk more to Connor Jones about that coming up here in the next week or so. But for the Nationals, this is where things uh, begin to get a bit more significant as they are almost halfway through the feeling out process. Uh, you know, I know the roster is changing, but it appears that, you know, they kind of have their group now. Uh, barring any major injuries. No Strasburg, obviously, he hits the DL, the 60-day DL. Uh, this is something that we kind of knew was coming. That's why I didn't really mention it as much. We talked at length about how we just didn't think we were going to see him again. We'll get surgery to address the carpal tunnel uh, that he's got. But the Nationals, as it sits right now, important games coming up here. Final one with the, with the, the, um, with the Marlins. And they've got three with the Phillies at home. Games that are winnable against a team that if they can get to the bullpen, they should be in good shape. They've got three with Boston, four with Philadelphia before they take on uh, some more challenging teams in the Rays and the Braves. But for right now, these are, uh, you know, if this was a golf course, these are scorable holes here. These are scorable holes. These holes are playing around par. You can score well. Birdies have been made against the Marlins, the Phillies, the, the, and the, uh, the Red Sox. So uh, that'll do it for us today. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at LO Nationals. Follow me at Josh Neighbors. Check out the Locked On Nationals podcast. Uh, I think we have Instagram feed as well, too. Going to start doing some periscopes. I uh, want to answer questions live. want to get you guys involved, too. You can definitely come join me. Might do some Zooms as well. So make sure you guys follow the show. Interact with me. Send me messages. I want to know what you guys want more of. Um, Periscope last week was pretty fun. Had some good questions. Talked about the Nats. Talked about some other baseball stuff. And uh, I think I'm going to do one game a week where I'm going to go live on Periscope and answer some questions. So uh, we will update that as we go along. Make sure you guys check out the Locked On Fantasy Baseball podcast as well as the Locked On MLB podcast. All of these things are part of the Locked On Podcast Network.